Well, you only live once, maybe not. And this life right now might be all we've got. So let's contemplate the hereafter while we speculate with some laughter about this grim thing that happens to us all after that final curtain call. But before you take that final breath, let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and today my guest is Matt Scarfo, and he did something that just blows my freaking mind. Here's a businessman who owns a gym. He's a professional athlete. He owns a gym up in New Jersey. And as a peaceful type protest on behalf of people who are, you know, losing their businesses due to COVID and having to board up their shops and everything, he does a peaceful protest by running 215 miles from New Jersey down to Washington, D.C. And it was interesting to get his perspective because as a business owner, he's seeing firsthand how businesses are being affected. You know, he's got friends that are losing businesses and, and you know, and we all know that it's affected small business immensely. I know people who have businesses that have been affected. I'm sure everybody probably does. And we have an interesting conversation about that. And we also have an interesting conversation about the whole Black Lives Matter movement. When he ran into D.C., he got there a day after the protests were happening and he had some very interesting things to say, you know, things that I never really con- you know, considered. And um, it was just it was kind of wild to hear somebody who was running right literally into the uh, uh, ground zero for the D.C. protests. And, um, you know, it's it's just interesting to hear about two of the big things that are going on right now and to get a. <sighs> It's almost like the, the 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 canary in the 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 cave is how I almost envision how he ran in there. It's like you know going in and and just uh, not really aware of what to expect, and it's an interesting conversation. I'll just put it at that. Uh, I do want to let you know there's some audio issues. Um, you know, I I tried my best to fix it. It's just it is what it is at this point. But um, yeah, I would uh, I would say this is a, a, a very interesting back and forth, both of us giving interesting points, uh, both of us, you know, hearing sides of the conversation that we're like, okay, yeah, I can see that point. So, but um, yeah, my conversation with Matt Scarfo, very pleasant, very fun, very, you know, we joke around a lot. It was just, it was interesting though, to talk with somebody that I probably have some, you know, differences of opinion. I mean, there were a few times where we we disagreed and a few times where we agreed. And and I think that's healthy. That's what we need to do as a country on everything. Political things, social things, hell, just in general. And, you know, and, and, and we, we agreed on most things, you know, but there were some things where it was like, OK, well, you know, it's a little different from what I what I think. But out of respect for a fellow human being. I'm going to let him say, just like with previous conversations I've had, there have been things where it's like, they're saying things that I don't agree with, but you know what? This isn't about arguing. This is about discussion. That's the way things happen. 
That's the way things get resolved. And we even get into that on this conversation, which I thought was great. But besides all of that, Matt's concept of the afterlife is just wild. It's one of those things where he likens it to his whole concept of running, his whole process of running. And you got to hear it to kind of have it all make sense. I can't do it justice, but he has some really cool analogies in there. And it's it's one of those really good, encouraging ideas of what happens when we die. So anyway, here's my conversation with Matt Scarfo and enjoy. Hello. Hi, is this Matt? This is Matt. Hey, Matt, it's Tim from Let's Laugh About Death. Hey, how's it going, Tim? I've been looking forward to this. I'm sorry about last time. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, yeah, when you told me what you were doing, I was blown away, to be honest with you. So I'm like, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, uh... I got it. Everybody was, man. It was uh, kind of spur of the moment and a little a little insane, but, uh, you know, all's well ends well, so it's Dude. all good. Yeah, no, but uh, you know what? Let's just jump right into it. You gotta, you gotta tell uh, the people listening what you were doing because I was, I was like, holy shit! I had no idea something like that even existed, or let alone that someone could even do that. So, um, yeah, just kind of, kind of uh, uh, recap what you did because I think it's pretty amazing. So, cool. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Are we? Uh, are you recording right now? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I, what, we, I figured we'd get right into it. Uh, if you want, I could, I could stop. We could start over again. But uh, no, 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 no. All good. So, um, go ahead. What do you, uh, what do you want me to comment on? Well, you know, um, what was it that? Just tell me, tell me what, or tell them what you told me about what you were doing. Because, so you know what? Just kind of give people that are listening a, a, a recap or a, an understanding of what Matt and I are already talking about. We had an episode scheduled, and something that he was doing did not. Uh, allow him to be able to uh, uh, to do our episode, and when I found out what it was, I was like, "Holy shit!" I had no idea something like that even happened or was possible. So, uh, take it away, Matt. That that's uh, there. Yeah, you got to tell them what you were doing. Yeah. So, um, I'll give you a little, a little background. So, I'm I'm a fitness professional. I've been in the industry for over 20 years. Um, I started this way back before a lot of people started a career in fitness back in late, late, late 2000 or rather 1999. And so I've got a, I've got a fitness background, never really much of a runner. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wasn't a runner at all for the first maybe 15 years that I started working out. And, and for the first 15 years of my career, I, I introduced that rather late um, just because I'm getting older and I want to start a family. And I wanted to be fit no matter what that looked like. I just had to be cool with putting down the weights and just going for what's going to give my body its you know best chances at, at moving well forever. And, you know, I've always, since then I've, I've ran and ran pretty frequently, just a couple miles here and there. I had built myself up a pretty good foundation of maybe, you know, 10, 12 miles would be my max. And so one day I decided to run from the town that I live in, in North Jersey to the next town is 22 miles away. Um, kind of crazy, had never even run anything close to a marathon before. And then that was back in February, as a matter of fact. Now, back in April, what I did was um, as a result of the shutdown that we're experiencing in New Jersey, I own a gym. And as far as the governor is concerned, we are the least essential out of any business out there. So we were you know, last to open. We still haven't even opened. 
Wow. So back in April, I had, yeah, back in April, I had run 90, just about 91 kilometers from my business in Morristown, New Jersey, down to Trenton, New Jersey, uh, just as a way to uh, peacefully protest and you know, bring attention to the fact that I've got a lot of friends and, and colleagues that are entrepreneurs and business owners that have had a really tough time with the shutdown. They're afraid of losing everything, yeah. you know, and then you got to deal with, you know, mental health and financial health and things like that. So I really did it as a way to, I guess, metaphorically carry their burdens with me down to Trenton to just set an example of myself so people would pay attention and just give it a little bit of awareness. So that was April 28th, 90 kilometers, 54 miles, uh, basic, almost, yeah, I guess it was about two marathons back to back. <laughs> and, um, and, and this was after running, you know, only having run 22 miles once before. And the way that I had factored it was, you know, we've walked from, East coast to West coast during the gold rush, you know, we've traveled thousands of miles on foot. I can do it too. I would just have to pick an intensity that doesn't, you know, make me have to tap out or doesn't go beyond what my abilities are. So, I, you know, I credit that a lot to how I got down to Trenton. Now, after that, I had gotten a lot of uh, attention for that brought a lot of attention to the cause too. And I thought that was really cool. So I looked at my wife, I'm like, you know, how far away is Washington DC from here? And she looked at me and she's like, you are out of your fucking mind. And I said, well, it's like, well, I can run, if I can run 50 miles, I can run 250 miles. I just have to pace myself. And she's like, babe, babe, it's, it's 250 miles. That's you don't know anybody that's ever run 250 miles. I, said, I don't know. I don't know people that have done a lot of things, but you know. So we joked about it for a while, and uh, we didn't really talk much about it for a week or two. Now, during that time, I was still interested in, in you know, at least the thought experiment of it. So I'd reached out to a few friends of mine that were in special forces and, you know, done mountaineering and things like that, and said, you know, hey, what what would I have to think about when I do this? Having never done it before, you know, this is crazy. This is a, a multi-day thing. Um, I'm far away from home, and uh, I had no idea what to expect or even how to prepare for it. So I was getting a couple pointers here and there. Yeah, it's totally possible. You know, you could totally do it. But, you know, make sure you think about X, Y, and Z. So I started – my wife didn't realize it, but I would started to collect the things that I would need. You know, I go to Walmart. I pick up a light stick. I pick up a headlamp. I do this. I do that until about three or four days before – I looked at her and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to run to DC. <laughs> and she said, your daughter's birthday is in three days. When do you plan on doing this? I said, well, this was May. My daughter's birthday is May 21st. So I'm like, you know, I'll leave. I'll leave the day after her birthday and I'll try to be back by mine, which is May 26th. Having no idea what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> Zero whatsoever. So I'm thinking, you know what? The first night I'll run 24 hours the first night. And then, you know, the Good next God. night I'll take it a little bit easy. Right. So I'm thinking all these grand things thinking that, you know, it's going to be a whole lot easier than it was. And, uh, she, she bought it, but she gave me two conditions. She said, one is you have to sleep in a bed every night. Cause originally I was going to camp, you know, here and there as I made my way down. So rule number one, I have to sleep in a bed every night. And rule number two, I can't run if it's dark. She said, you have a, you have a young family that you need to get home to and we need you alive. So you can do it, but you have to do it under those two circumstances. Blunt, so, but you know, I agree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so I agreed. Um, I postponed it one extra day. So I left on May 23rd and thought it would take me four days. And, um, little did I know that I was getting into the 
the most interesting time of my life in which I learned more about myself in the nine and a half days that it took me to get down to DC than I did in the 41 years prior on this earth. And, um, it was, it was a hell of an experience. I did it also to bring attention to the fact that people are, you know, in a really challenging time and, um, livelihoods are being destroyed and, and, you know, businesses are being destroyed. And, um, little did I know that, that the universe had a very interesting twist on it for me. So, when I had gotten down there, gone through you know home, so many different personal journeys and, and, and inner turmoils and things that I had to overcome, and you know I could talk about, I could talk for days about that. But when I got down there, I had gotten to D.C. on Tuesday. Now the the Monday, the day before, was the day that the protests and the riots in Washington D.C. had really started in earnest. So when I had gotten down there on Tuesday, uh, about five, about four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, this is when the protests were the you know the uh, the George Floyd protests mm-hmm. and, and Black Lives Matter was there and and you know Antifa had their little presence going on, and um, here I did here I was running down there to bring attention to the fact that you know small businesses are dying and and mental health and personal wellness is being flushed down the toilet you know, incidentally and circumstantially, I'm running down and this hit me pretty hard. I was running through, I I had stopped in Bethesda, which was about eight miles away from DC. And I'd stopped, I got to Bethesda at like two o'clock and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'll rest today. I'll get down there tomorrow and I'll spend the day there. And I said, you know what? But it's only eight miles away. It'll be nice to just leave all my shit in the hotel room. I had about 31, 32 pounds of gear on my back. Damn. It'll be nice to leave it all in the hotel. Right? I'll, I'll just leave way- it all here. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere from like, I would say anywhere from like 27 to like 31 pounds. And that might've been a lot, but I, oh you know, I don't God. know how to prepare for this. <laughs> so I had, you know, a water bladder that held about three liters of water in my book, in, in my bag. Um, Holy you know, a, ba- a battery pack that I needed in case I needed to charge stuff in between stops. So um, I left it all in the hotel room and I said, you know, it'll be nice to run down there unencumbered and just, you know, it'll be a good casual run. So four mi- uh, eight miles down to DC from Bethesda. Now, two miles into that run, I start walking, I start running by broken windows and businesses that were looted, spray painted, vandalized, destroyed. And it hit me. And I'm like, you know what? Here I am running down here because there's nothing I can do about my business being closed. There's nothing that anybody can do about their business being closed in New Jersey, except bitch and complain and wait. Now that's why the businesses are being destroyed up here. Now down in DC, I'm looking. And as I'm running by these buildings that have broken windows and, and, you know, stuff that was destroyed inside, I see people boarding up their businesses. They're building walls, uh, you know, wooden walls around the windows and around the doors, making sure that people can't get in. And it was kind of deep because I'm like, these people right now are preparing for what seems to be like a hurricane that they're hoping doesn't, doesn't destroy their lives and doesn't destroy their businesses. And the difference is that this is completely preventable. Up in me, by in, by me in New Jersey, like we can't do anything about that. But these people down here, like this doesn't have to happen. These people don't have to, shouldn't have to do this. And it was, it was because people felt like being villains that these people had to board up their businesses. 
these aren't people that were trying to make a point. These were people that were just trying to capitalize on, on, you know, the chaos and the unrest of the situation. And, um, it really got to me. So get closer to DC. I can see the protests, you know, there's more people around. It was a pretty calm scenario, but, um, you know, getting there and finally getting to DC and realizing that there's really two different conversations going on here. There's one conversation where it seems like the grownups at the table are really trying to sort this all out and, and figure this out for once and for all. And then you've got the kids table who are throwing food and being jerks just for the sake of being jerks because nobody else is watching and they can get away with it. And it's those, you know, rabble rousers that are really causing a problem for the people that really do want to operate a business and, and to provide for their families and to make a living. And, um, it kind of flipped the script on me. I'm running down there for me. And, um, I realized that, you know, there's people out there, there's always somebody out there that's dealing with something worse than you are. Of course, and many yeah. times, it, you know what I mean? It's got nothing to do with their actions or their, their circumstances are just different. And, and, um, that made me feel, that made me, you know, feel a very interesting way about, why it is I was doing what I was doing and, and kind of how selfish it was at the end of the day. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, the, the thing that is crazy about what's going on right now is, yeah, you've got two different major historical incidences that are happening. You've got the whole, you know, COVID-19 businesses being locked down. And then you've got the black lives matter protests that are going on. And if they had both happened on their own, you know, different time periods, it would have been, you know, world shattering. Now we've got both of them going yeah. on at the same time. And the, it's two yeah. different things that are that are bleeding into each other. And, you know, and yeah, I there's a video, I can't think of her name, and she posted it and it, and it went viral. And she's like, there's three types of people that are that are involved in the Black Lives Matter. And there are the people who are, you know, there's the protesters who are down there. They're doing the, the protest to try and, you know, change things. There are the people who are just there to fuck shit up, break things just for the sake mm -hmm. of breaking things. And then there are the looters who are taking advantage of it. Yeah. And uh, and unfortunately, the media is focusing on the looters and the and the and the uh, the people that are breaking stuff and they're not focusing on what the people that are trying to actually change this shit that we've that's gone way too long of being addressed, you know? And uh and yeah, so I mean it's it's one of those things where it's like that you you literally ran into the middle of that and you know, I think one of the things that is, is again, unfortunate about the whole Black Lives Matter thing is that the media is everybody's focusing on the looters. It's like, no, we're focusing on change, but there, there are people trying mm -hmm. to change that. And then there's people who are, you know, trying to focus on the, uh, 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 you know, with the covid and it's like there you got two sides to that story. You got people who think it's all bullshit and it's a political thing to make, you know, Trump look bad. And then you got people who are, you know, this is this is apocalyptic in the end of the world. And and I've had different people on the podcast who've given me both sides. They're like, we need to, you know, I, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle <clears throat> in the sense that I wear the mask. I do the mask. I do all that. But in my home, I don't. You know, there are people who wear the masks at home. There are people that, you know, and and when I go out, it's more of a case of I don't know if I have it. And I was talking to a buddy of mine. He said his his uh, his doctor told him he's like, there are way more cases than we're aware of. But in some regards, some people are like, oh, my God. And in some regards, that gives me kind of hope. It's like if there are more cases than we're aware of, then maybe this isn't as big of a thing as we thought it was initially, you know, and, and I've said, I would love to find out. 
I would love to find out that two years from now when this thing is all settled and there's a vaccine and there's a, you know, it, we've, we've got it for the most part under control, you know, as much as we can, because just like the flu, um, the flu vaccine only only covers like five, 10 percent of the actual flu strains that are out there. You can't stop it all. This is going to do the same thing. COVID is going to mutate. There's going to be different versions of COVID out there. And I, a previous guest was like, we need to get exposure to it. And in some degrees, yes, but we don't want to go running into the fire because the longer we do that, the longer that businesses have to stay closed and mandated to stay closed is the longer people like you are affected. People who own businesses who can't even go back to their fucking normal lives, you know? Right. And so it's like, right. we need to, I, I wish people would just go, okay, let's, Let's talk, like I said, let's talk about this like adults, because again, the, the analogy is great. You've got the kids who, you know, you got the, the adults trying to talk and solve the problem. You got the kids throwing the food. And to me, the kids throwing the food are the ones who are like, oh, this is all bullshit. This is, all, you know what? So what if it is? Let's sort it out and let's fix this. Let's find out. You know, I agree. You know, yeah, let's, let, I, let's make sure, let's prove it's bullshit then. Or let's prove that we got a problem and let's lower that curve like they're always talking. Because the more we can do that, then places can get back to normal. Because, yeah, lives are being uprooted on both things. Black Lives Matter and COVID. It's just we are living in an unprecedented time right now, and it's fucking crazy. You, you know, know, I'm going to tell you, when I got to... When I got to D.C., what I realized, and I'm I'm a white guy from northern New Jersey, mm -hmm. all right? And, you know, we, we, you know, it's a small town in northern New Jersey. It's not as diverse as, you know, places closer to New York, like, you know, Newark and Patterson and, and some of those places. But it was still, you know, we still had certain experiences in our town that, that forced us to grow as a community. And not forced us, but compelled us to grow. Yeah, exactly. you, know, you become aware of certain things, and then now you make a determination on how you want to stand on them, and then you do. And you know now your future behavior is dictated by you know your previous experience, just like everything human. Absolutely. So when I got to right, so when I got to DC, what I saw, I, I'll tell you, the first thing I saw, I ran by a church that had spray paint on the side of it, and that upsets me. Yeah. And the first thing I thought of was, would I spray paint the church in my own town, no matter how pissed I was? And the answer to that question is unequivocally no, I wouldn't. Yeah. And nor could I nor could I imagine any kid spray painting a church in their own town, whether they're Christian or not. I don't think that I think that there's enough of an inherent <clears throat> level of respect in people and you would have to really argue with me to counter that. I think that nobody is going to spray paint a church in their own town. Nor do I think that a, that a boy is going to throw a brick through the window of a laundromat and steal the clothes out of it. For, at a laundromat that lets his mom carry a tab so she can get his clothes cleaned for school. These yeah. people that are destroying these towns do not live in these towns. And I know that. And I'll tell you how else I know that because it's seven o'clock in DC on that Tuesday when they had imposed a curfew at seven o'clock. Now in that, when I arrived into DC, I was, <laughs> let me tell you, if I was going to drop my wallet in any major city in the country that Tuesday, I would have preferred to have dropped it in Washington, D.C. There were so many cops and other governmental agencies. I saw so many guns in that town. The top of every single building in Washington, D.C. had a crow's nest, a spotter, and a sniper. Wow. Every single one. I, I, and I shit you not, none of this is made up. When I was standing on a corner, because it's 7 o'clock now in Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, I, I, probably, I, I probably don't look like I fit into that protest. 
and <laughs> I needed to get out. So I, I called an Uber to go back to the hotel in Bethesda. All right. So yeah, I, you know, I bitched out. I didn't run back, but whatever, 250 miles. Hey, shit. Yeah. So, you, you did your running already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran down there. I didn't say anything about running back. Yeah. So, you know, so while I'm sitting on the corner waiting for the Uber to show up, I had seen at least three or four times an SUV that looked like it was pulled off your average uh, used car lot. And the SUV had the rear window removed and there was a guy in the back seat, you know, government official, government agent sitting in the back seat sideways with, you know, with a weapon sitting on his lap. They had that city on lockdown that Tuesday, nothing bad. They really had it figured out. So, but when I, what I noticed standing on that corner at seven o'clock and I'm on the outside of a perimeter at seven o'clock, I saw all it looked it looked like god forgive me for saying this it looked like nickelback opened for 50 cent and nickelback just got done playing okay so i'm standing on the corner and you see every every white kid coming out with their you know with their signs and their shirts and you know they were there to peacefully protest and make a point that they're strength in numbers and we support our community and they were there for all the right stuff right because seven o'clock came and the, and the rule is you got to go home at seven so the ones that follow the rules pack their shit and they go now while they were walking out a whole different crowd was walking in and these were, this was a crowd that didn't live in the city because if they did, they wouldn't be walking in. All right. This was a crowd that was dressed in all black. They had electric leaf blowers to blow the tear gas. They anticipated getting smoked with. These were kids that came there looking for a problem. And these are the kids that are spray painting shit on walls. Like, listen, if black lives matter, here's the thing. I'm walking by buildings that had BLM spray painted on the side of the buildings. Guess what? If, if Black Lives Matter was a peaceful organization, they're not spray painting on the side of buildings and doing this kind of level of vandalism. My point is that the people that were doing that were people that wanted to start a fight with the people that wouldn't approve of BLM doing that. So there is absolutely a third party in this conversation that are here simply to keep us from sitting down and having a productive conversation about where we go, because as long as this shit's happening, nobody is going to be willing to sit down and have a conversation. If you think that you're going to, you know, hog tie me and, 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 you know, threaten me that if I don't sit down, you guys are going to keep spray painting and breaking shit. There is without question, a third party that is intentionally here to intentionally create problems for the responsible adults in the room. No question about it. No question about it. And then as far as like COVID goes, you know, people get sick with a lot of different things and and I'm not an infectious disease expert, but you know, and and I know that people are dying from COVID Of course, and I know it's a pretty serious thing, right? Yeah. No, I'm not, I wasn't saying it's not a serious thing. I I completely believe it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think that we're talking about, the infection rate and the transmissibility of it. And though that's important, the important number for me is how many people are dying and who is it that's dying? Because, you know, if a million people are getting bit by mosquitoes and only 14 of them are dying, that's not really a, you know, that's not compelling enough. So you could scare me all day long with how many people are getting it. I want to know how many people are dying from it. And when we look at those figures, we know that they're extremely low if you're younger than 65 and especially if you don't have a comorbidity and they've found 
that the the comorbidity that you don't want to have when you get COVID is type 2 diabetes. And it's incidental that a lot of people with type 2 diabetes are overweight. So, you know, it's it's complicated in a sense because it's almost like they want it to be complicated and they want to keep us in the dark and they want to keep us confused. But at the same time, they're also there's a third party here trying to ensure that we don't get along about it. Here's That's, the thing. Yeah, this shouldn't wear, be a political issue. Right? Yeah, I completely agree. It shouldn't be. Yeah. And with face masks, I talk to people and they're like, I'm not wearing a face mask in public. Fuck them. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hold on a second. Do you drive down the street with your high beams on? Because fuck the guy that's driving <laughs> in the direction that you're going. That is a great analogy. Yeah. yeah. You you don't. You don't. And when I was running, so I'm running down the, you know, I had, um, it wasn't a face mask. It was like a you know thing that pulls over your neck. You just pull it up to cover your nose and I, mouth and then you can pull it down. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Right. So I run, I'm running down there with that and I'm running and I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. So, you know, I can run with it over my mouth. You just ran 250 (laughs) miles. Come on. What are you talking about? (laughs) Dude, I haven't run 250 miles in my life. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. You ran pretty much what? Nine marathons, 10 marathons, almost back to back. Most people prepare all year for that. Dude, this is like superhuman shit here. I just got to say, it blew me away. So, anyway. <laughs> Since you put it that way. Come on. So, so, I can, you know, I can run with this over my face. I don't need to keep it down. I don't need to keep it up. So, I, I kept it down. But when I would run by somebody that had a mask on, I would put it up. Because yeah. it's obvious to me that that person is concerned about their own health. Exactly. So, I've got it with me and I'm prepared. So I put it up and then when I run by them, I put it down. So I turn my high beams off and then when I get past them, I turn my high beams back on. I don't leave my high beams on as like an FU, you oversensitive hypochondriac because I respect my fellow person. I respect my fellow man. Thank you. Yes. Right. So if you're trying to just prove a point that you're an asshole, then you can go ahead and not wear a face mask everywhere you go. But if you want to, if you just want to do the right thing, like you would hold the door for somebody or turn the high beams off, or if a, you know, if a woman's holding a baby and they drop a toy, you pick it up for them, you put your face mask up because totally. it's the non douchebag thing to do. You know what I'm saying? I completely agree. And that, you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't quite put it into words of how to describe it, but the high beams thing is exactly it. I mean, that makes total sense because yeah, it's, it's not even so much that I think I'm going to get it. It's not even so much that I think I have it. But it's one of those things where it's like it's a sign of respect in today's uh, uh, atmosphere of this shit going around where, yeah, it's just a sign of, you know what, I respect you as a person enough to put the mask on just on the off chance that I have it or for myself and my family's sake that you have it, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I I get sick of you. You go to we went to Target one day. And there were like a whole bunch of dude bros hanging around and they didn't have their masks on and that. And it's like, and then now I'm seeing articles about they're starting to see that it's happening more with younger people because I think younger people are like, well, you know, I'm not going to get it because with any story, people hear the one thing and they gravitate and latch onto that and go, oh, it only affects old people. We've learned since then that it doesn't, 
You know, not only right. that, right. shit, the news changes every fucking, you know, two days or so. I mean, now they're starting to hear shit. What did I read just recently? It was just like, good God, you know, it, it, we, they don't have a fucking clue what's going on with this thing. It's the scary thing. That's no. what scares me. And the fact that it's gotten politicized and the fact that you've got people who are like, you know, I would, I woke up in America this morning. It's like, dude, it has nothing to do with face masks, you know, and then people saying that that it we're sheeple, you know, if we wear a mask. It's like, yeah, okay, well, then who's the sheeple? You're doing it just to, to, to spite it. You know, you're going along with that crowd. It's like every side has their concept of who the sheeple are. And it's just... Yeah. Oh, it's so irritating, you know, and it's like I just wish people would just have a common level of decency and say, OK, I respect you. I'm going to not turn the high beams on and ride them because, yeah, that pisses me off when I'm driving down the road. Someone's got their high beams on the whole time. It's like I give them the benefit of the doubt and go, maybe they, you know, maybe they don't realize they have them on. OK, but right. you know, there's a chance that they just don't give a shit to. So. Right. Right. But yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, that's you know, and and, and in all honesty, it, it, that's one of those things, kind of like the whole writing on the church. You know, I I am not I am not a uh, uh, religious person. I'm not, you know, mm. I grew up religious, you know, because I was just kind of forcibly put into that. I uh, did the whole Irish mm. Catholic thing, you know. There were you know seven of us in the family. <laughs> it was you know a litter of yep. us, but. Uh, Anyway, um, you know, I did that and I just kind of I kind of got away from that. But I would yeah, I would never deface a church. I would never deface a, a mosque. I would never deface a, a, a temple, anything. I don't care what religious faith it is either. I would never do that just out of simple. It's again, it's the high beam thing. It's a simple respect and it's a simple, you know, moral standing that I have of it's like these are very special, sacred places to people. I wouldn't do that to but I wouldn't fucking put a rock through someone's car just on that chance that I'm feeling pissed off. You know, I would do it right, if somebody right. wronged me personally, you know, but that video that I talked about, what's interesting is she did bring up, God, I wish I could think of her name. She did bring up a point though, that a lot of times people who, you know, the, the black people that are breaking stuff, she's like, it doesn't matter if we, you know, deface something because we don't own anything. None of this stuff is ours. And so it's like, when I think about that, I go, that, it, it makes sense though. You know, when, when she's sitting there um, talking about, I mean, it, from the standpoint of there were, there were times, you know, places like Tulsa where, where they had an affluential community and all of a sudden a whole bunch of Klansmen types went in and slaughtered everybody, you know, and, and different communities. Mm -hmm. So does that happen everywhere? No, there's been instances in history where that does happen, but there are times where, you know, it, 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 people, who, it's just assumed that if you're of, of color, you can't have any, you know, there's no way you could possibly own anything, you know? So it's, it's just, th there's, I believe that there are definitely two sides to every conversation, but I do have to agree that there is, I, I, you know, I really suspect that there might be a third party involved trying to turn both sides against each other. You know? Absolutely. And I think that the, the media is probably the most gullible and, and willingly gullible out of everybody. Oh, I yeah. think that since we've, I think a few things should happen. I think that they should stop doing Nielsen ratings for media, um, yeah, for journalism. Definitely. I think that, and, and I also think that they have to ban advertisers um, and perhaps maybe even media goes nonprofit. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. They're, they're biased and it's okay to have differing opinions and it's, you know, and different interpretations of things. I mean, that's why we've got, you know, two, a two party system and, you know, some smaller parties out there that are really trying to come through, Yeah. but you know, there's differing opinions and there's always going to be, you know, a difference in explanation. And it's, 
the media doesn't make any money unless people go back to learn more. And mm -hmm. it's almost as though in modern day, it's perfectly okay to print or to air something that is 100% inaccurate and unverifiable because you can apologize for it later and the apology costs you very little. The apology, if you could run a seven page story about how something is completely untrue and absolutely ridiculous and then two weeks later, all you have to do is put one sentence inside the front cover that nobody looks at and you says, you know, it. correction. You got so it. there's no consequence for people telling lies and, and, and making up stories because the impact is already done. The person, the, the millions that you've already affected by lying to them, don't open that up and say, oh, okay, strike that from the record. They don't, they've already built the found, they, they've used that as a foundation for more opinions and more inflammatory thoughts and things like that. So it's, you know, there's no there's no consequence for them doing exactly what it is that they shouldn't be doing. And totally. um, the fact that the fact that these people, that people look to them and, and preach with gospel, you know, you walk into a place and it's CNN and somebody was like, Oh, what well, you guys don't put Fox on. It's like, who, who gives a shit? Like the fact is you're both listening to idiots and, and nobody is <laughs> telling you the exact truth, Yeah, you know? And, and I'm, to have so much information at your fingertips, it's a good thing. And it's, it's more of a bad thing. I think totally because, and like you said, once the damage has been done in the sense that somebody hears that headline and they're like, Oh, well, blah, you know, and then they, they don't, they're not going to go back. They're not even going to think to go back and look and see if this was validated. And, you know, and this is something I brought up and I'm not a big fan of the media anyway, you know, the news media particularly in the mm -hmm. fact that there are, think of, think of throughout, I don't know how old you are, but I remember there was a period where it seemed like every other week, somebody in the post office industry, you know, the U S postal service was going quote unquote postal. That's where the term came from, uh, where they would yep, go I'm in with enough. a, I remember, you that. remember that? And they'd go in and they'd shoot up a post mm -hmm. office. They were, I've had enough. And they shoot up a post office. And then all of a sudden it stopped. You know, what, why did yeah. it stop? Or the fact that you've got school shootings, you know, and, and, and this isn't becoming an anti-gun thing or anything like that. I'm just saying there's that there's that whole saying of if it bleeds, it leads. The media is like, oh, mm -hmm. how many people died? I mean, uh, 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 what's his name? Don Hen was it Don Henley? One of the Eagles did a song called Dirty Laundry. It's about that. You know, well, we got to get her. She's about to jump off the roof kind of stuff, you know, and it's like when there's yeah. death involved, that's that's where the ratings come in. And yeah, it, it's. There's been – I looked up the number of shootings, multi-victim uh, shootings on a U.S. map, and it's littered. Probably three, 400 of them that happened in 2019. How many did we hear about? Because it's no longer big news. You know, it's when it's right. leading the news is when it's worthy of it. And it's and that's what annoys me about the media. I honestly think that the concept of it being nonprofit or, you know, the people who are on the news get paid a salary and it's it, – they can have their opinion – but don't do Nielsen ratings. That's a beautiful concept. And don't do uh, uh, advertising. That's a beautiful concept. Make it a municipality that we are informed of this information, but just have it be raised like almost like an NPR. That's why NPR is typically mm -hmm. unbiased. It's because they've got nothing to gain. Uh, uh, they, yeah, no, no, believe me, they, they have their bias, but they're not as much as like say Fox or CNN or something like that. BBK, uh, uh, BBC is somewhat unbiased in the sense that they've got nothing really to gain, you know, but there are no, there are no true unbiased, you know, these are the facts. This is what happened. This is what they said. This is what they said. Every, every one of them has a tendency to omit certain things to make the person look bad, you know? Uh, right. And, and, right. And also to have, Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Good. 
It comes down to that. (laughs) We got a little Mm -hmm. delay or something. I heard myself in the background on your phone. That's why we're tripping over each other. No, that's fine. It happens. You know, shit. I'm going through all kinds of recording devices and boxes. It's probably coming from my end anyway. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like think about two kids on a playground fighting. Is the one kid are either kid going to give every single detail? Either a because they don't remember every detail, or b they're purposely omitting details. You know. That's how the news yeah. works. They're, they they want to be able to win. They I'm you know little Johnny and little Billy are are, are complaining to the lunch lady or whatever. And little Johnny isn't going to say that Billy's spitting his coke. He's going to say he knocked the coke out of my hand or something like that. You know, and it's and it's or or Billy threw coke in my face. Well, oh, it's because you spit in his coke. We didn't hear that side of it. You know, so right. yeah, it's it's. I don't tra- and you know, and I'm not going to say the whole fake news crap because, in all honesty, that to me is also it, it, whatever. That's that's a whole other subject. But uh, it's 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 definitely a slippery slope, and and unfortunately, we as consumers, and when I mean consumers of of the of the media of the news, the people seeing it, we're caught in the middle, and it's hard to know who's right, who's wrong, or who's just lying. Yeah, and then you've got organizations that step in and try to be the curator. And the fact is, is that it's inherently biased anyway and completely subjective. So, yeah. you know, whether or not you whether or not you think that you know Facebook really knows the truth as far as you know whether these articles are factual or not, the fact is is that somebody at Facebook makes the determination. And much like how in New Jersey with the governor shutting down essential and non-essential business, that's inherently biased and it's it's inherently subjective because what's essential and what's non-essential. At first they had shut down when they had made Walmart, uh, when they had allowed Walmart to open, they were, they the, the gardening section was closed down. So you couldn't even buy seeds. So if you're telling me that, you know, at first glance, seeds aren't essential or gun shops, which is essential for a different reason. You know, you've got all of these opinions. Um, you're not going off of science. You're really going off of opinions. Yeah. And I think that what, what probably would have worked, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of truth to this, that if we didn't look at it as what was important and what was unimportant, because, again, naturally that's subjective. That's totally, If it yeah. was more – Right. If it was more along the lines of, well, what do we need to do in order to keep people safe? And the answer to that we knew from the very beginning, too. It was, well, we assumed it's six feet away from somebody. Face coverings are an absolute must. Hand washing every 10 minutes with warm, soapy water for 20 seconds or more. Like we had all of this stuff that people were, were advised to do in order to keep themselves safe when they were put into a potentially un sanitary environment. Mm-hmm. So we knew that it worked online at Walmart. We knew that it worked online at Lowe's and that, you know, at gas stations, that particular level of contact was justifiable based on, you know, using these certain measures that we could have spread that out among everybody. And instead of hitting the brakes on small business and well on commerce completely, we could have literally slowed it down, but allowed everybody to still exercise their the the safeguards and the measures that they needed to that were already advised that could keep us safe. Like my question is, did we really have to let criminals out of jail if we knew that face masks and six feet apart works? Because aren't they six feet apart anyway? And, or, or, you know, can't you tell them if you get this, you're going to die. So, you know, let's make sure that everybody handles this. Like if we were to keep my business open, which is 3,600 square feet, if six feet apart, and the other measures meant that I can only have a total of seven people in my business, I would have certainly taken that 
and also ensured that those seven people were in the safest possible environment that they possibly could be in because I want to stay in business. Exactly. But they didn't. They let it up. They, they kept it a subjective measure and not an objective measure, one that they hang their science hat on. Instead, you know, he hangs his political hat on. This is what I think is right, not, you know, we already heard what we need to do. We just need to, you know, practice that. So it was, it is completely subjective. And when you've got, you know, people like, you know, Hannity or, or The View or, or places like that, people that watch those shows are, feel like they're friends with these people. They feel like they can trust them. They, they feel like their words carry weight. So, you know, though I lean probably a little more conservative than you do on a lot of things, mm -hmm. when I look at Hannity and I hear him talk, I'm like, I can't stand that this douchebag is a representative of some of my points of view. Because if I were explaining it to somebody that disagreed, I would have a far greater impact on their ability to reason that into their calculus than Hannity does trying to force it down their throat. And then I look at the view and I'm like, man, you know, they make a couple of good points, but the way that they explain it, I just have to disagree with them. So the fact that we do look for the fantastic in things, the fact that if it does bleed, it leads, but that's simply because people watch that. That's stuff. yeah. No, that's, that's can, what people right? want. Yes. Totally. Yes. And, and it's what we're programmed to want, right? I mean, it's 30,000 years ago when we were running through the jungles, we wanted to make sure that, you know, if there were danger, we were alerted to it and that we paid attention to it and it kept our attention because we need to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. So they bring out that fear and, and that, that sense of import that things carry with them when it comes to children dying or, you know, whole areas of, you know, countries being stricken with disease. It just, it becomes... It's fear mongering through and through. It's not productive, or at least it's not anymore. I remember watching news when I was a kid, you know, seeing, you know, the shuttle explode, the Challenger, oh, yeah. and, and remembering, right? And, and I remember the, the Berlin Wall coming down. Like, I remember those things and, and the air of positivity, but that was because you heard about that at 10 o'clock at night. That wasn't always in front of your face in banner ads and margin ads and alerts and notifications. Like we've become so desensitized to absolutely everything. Shit that was funny back in 1920 isn't funny anymore because it's just so fucking simple. We need more complex things that generate emotion in our bodies. You know, when 20 years ago, when, you know, when, when war games showed red just as a representation of blood, we were like, man, that's so realistic. That's crazy. I put on Call of Duty now. It's hard to distinguish some of those scenes, right? And it ha and what's the next step from that? The next step of that is immersive. So you actually have to make my body feel like it's going to die, and that's how it's going to get my attention from now on. So, you know, it's it's eliciting you know chemical responses and and certain you know cascades of hormones and things like that that these people know how to get into our heads. You know, it's the reason why all of the sugary candies out there are the same color as ripe fruit. Like we're programmed to want yellow and red and green. Yeah. Like that's the shit that we need. So I never thought about that. That's no shit. Yeah. yeah that's so pretty they, wild. Yep. So they do that because a child recognizes it. You don't need to teach an infant brain that these are the colors of food and nutriment. They know already they're born with it. And then, so you've got the marketing component of it. Now you've got, food engineers behind the scenes making sure that this has the right amount of X and Y so that way, you know, you want me to come back and buy more. And it's it's all about, re like, we are, we, we're the commodity. 
you know, our data is the commodity and they know how to manipulate our actions and they do it on the news and they do it with food. And that's why for some people being unplugged is so favorable. Like for me, my retirement put me in, you know, 2000 feet on 2000 acres, give me solar energy, a garden and a gun. And I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to be, I don't need to know what's going on in the world around me. Cause if you didn't tell me that coronavirus didn't exist, it wouldn't matter to me one bit, you know? So it's and then growing your own food and getting away from the chemicals and you know the additives and things like that like everything that they're trying to feed us whether mentally spiritually emotionally or or physically everything they're trying to feed us is probably everything we shouldn't be consuming and yeah no that that i have to agree with is is it's i'm taking more of a i mean when it comes to the health i'm i'm giving it another shot i mean i like i said i've I'm out of shape, and honestly, I'm probably – I was diabetic type 2, and then I reversed it with diet, but I'm probably back Good there. because you. Well, but I'm, I'm probably back there now because I've been home cooped up, and I, I have a tendency to stress eat, and so I've gained all mm-hmm. the weight back that I had lost, you know, so – but I am now doing I'm, – I'm doing Tai Chi – uh, I had a, my, one of my earlier guests when I came when I started the podcast back up. I had a program. I've been doing that. I've been doing more meditation from another guest. I've been doing more. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to go run 250 miles, but what I'm saying, <laughs> why not, man? Yeah, why right? not? Come on. <laughs> um, but I, I am. I do want to start. You know, I'm, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm and not like a, I want to, but it'll never happen. It's like no. My wife and I have already made conscious efforts to get back to that eating habit. Um, of, of doing better. But you know, the thing, the thing is, is I've also taken on a whole minimalistic type of attitude is, is consumerism has gotten us to where we are, you know, chasing the, 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 the toys. And I mean, look at Apple, Apple, and, and I've got an iPhone, don't get me wrong, but my, my iPhone, I updated it after like, you know, five, six models difference between the first one and the second one where (laughs) they're marketing it to where it's like, you know, oh, and now it's blue, you know, that kind of shit. And people are like, oh, I gotta go get the blue one, you know? And someone made yeah. a joke advertisement about that for iPhone 12, and it's like, oh, and it's blue, and it's like, yeah, that's what Apple does, though, you know? It's like, yeah, th- that's you know, or the or the car, or the you know, the, the the chasing these things that people think are gonna make them happy, and it's like, but this shit doesn't. After a while, it just becomes a fucking nuisance. After a while, that you car payment, yeah. you know, it's like, God, I wish people would would wake up. You know, and I think I I see it. Yeah, that's I mean, it's materialistic versus ideologic. I yeah. actually just watched uh, I just watched a video about this in AI on what's that guy's name? Um, Lex Friedman. Do you know who he is? No, I'm not familiar with him. What, what you what should is- you should he does a he's got a YouTube. I think he does a podcast. But he, he, they're YouTube him doing podcasts, and he's like kind of reminds me like if they plucked him out of the matrix and you know plucked him extra out of the matrix and was like yo do a podcast but he's brilliant and he has brilliant brilliant guys that you know what? i'll send you i'll send you the link you can share it with the listeners if you think yeah that they, absolutely that in fact find value you know in. what anything that you want me to share send it off to me we'll hang on the phone after we're done and i will uh uh you know we'll get the email back to you and all that and i want to get i want to get some links that you'd like to share any any you know insights you've got or anything like that including this uh lex friedman guy i'll put that in there um but uh, cool. so, yeah, tell me more about him, because I, I love, you know, I found a guy who who does the whole off grid type of there's there's a dude that I, I, I stumbled across his videos and he does more like the mini house, micro house kind of stuff. And he he lives with 47 possessions, period. 
That includes the shirt. The shoes. Yeah, I can't think of what his name is, but he's a trip. And, you know, he goes all over it. He he walks like barefoot half the time. You know, it's almost like uh, it's like, OK, man, that's a little much. But whatever. You know, but he owns he owns 47 items and that's his whole worldly possession. And it's a little extreme. Well, it's a lot extreme for what I'm looking at. But yeah, I mean, it's to me, retirement is not, you know, riding on the cruise ships and and going to, uh, uh, you know, Fiji every year or every, you know, going wherever I want. To me, retirement would be like, OK, I, now I can unplug from all the bullshit. Yeah. You know? peace. Yes. Peace. peace right? Exactly. So. But um, anyway, so, uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, tell me more about this guy. So, well, I watched the, the, the video of him. I actually watched it three times and um, I forget the guy that he had on, but he was talking about, like, are we in a simulation? And um, Elon it was Musk a, a great, so. it was very, um, you know what, Elon, I've watched a couple from Elon. He, he doesn't firmly take a position. He's smart. He's mm, smart. Mm. Um, but, but it makes sense, at least, you know, for my simple mind, it makes sense. And, you know, they were talking materialistic versus idealistic. And what, what I think, I mean, that's from a, a personal you know, that that's, you know, in terms of perception, are we all perceiving this or this world as it is, or, you know, and we're really not because we, we see very small amounts of the bandwidth that's available in terms of, you know, the frequency representation of, you know, light and the rest of the electromagnetic field totally. and, and everything else. But, you know, when it comes to the people that want to buy a certain car or, or just really be part of something, it's, I think the guy that's got 47 possessions, it's, I think everybody yearns in a way to be part of a tribe or, or many oh, tribes, yeah. but no, everybody absolutely. wants to be part. Right. And the more exclusive the tribe, the more, you, the, the, the higher it, it, it's assumed to be on like that hierarchy. So, you know, you're, you're automatically born on a tribe, right? Like you're a boy or a girl. And then some people abandon that plantation mm-hmm. and go to the other plantation. Like, you know, you know, this is, this is what I am. And that's fine. They identify yeah, that's exactly. as, part, as part of a tribe. Right. And, and it's, it's just an org- a group, a culture that, that people want to be part of. It doesn't matter whether it's gender. It doesn't matter if it's the car you drive. Everybody wants to drive a car because you like the car because the tribe that you prefer to associate with, you know, would like the car and mm-hmm. it comes down to the clothes and, and, you know, the way that you furnish your house and in your office and everything else, the way that you set up your desktop, it tells you, it tells people a lot about who you view yourself to be, not necessarily who you really are. So, you know, wanting to be a part of something I think is, or many things is, is really a part of, it's, it, I think it, it's really what guides our social decisions and in, in so far as maybe it goes so far as to, you know, guide the, whether we watch Fox or CNN or NBC or, or CBS, and then furthermore, what our opinions are about those things. So you know, b- belonging to something, owning the things that you have, I think represent the groups that you associate yourself with, right? Your tribes. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, and, and well, and, and a lot of times it's a, it's a, it's a perceived status kind of thing. And, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not out there trying to knock anybody who, you know, is getting a certain car or whatever. I just, I wish people would take the owning the car as less of an importance in their life, you know, and me, I, I've said numerous times on this podcast, I drive an $800 piece of shit because it gives me peace of mind. I don't care if somebody bumps Mm -hmm. into it, keys it, fucking rear ends me. I don't care. I'll go buy another $800 piece of shit, you know, but it's like, 
when people make the the owning the car more important than being a decent person, you know, owning the car, mm-hmm. achieving those dreams at the cost of others is where, to me, it starts becoming more of a problem. You know, if you are somebody who's a, you know, a, a humanitarian who does and gives and does all that and you just, you know, you you want to drive a, 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 a BMW M4, whatever the fuck, you know, that kind of thing, fine. But it's like when you're one of those assholes who is like, you know, cutting people off and being a dick and being a douche. And it's like, look at me. I'm important because I drive a BMW M4. It's like, fuck you. You know, it's like that does not make you a good person. That does not mean that you are an achiever. That means, you know, your personality, again, it's a reflection of who you are kind of thing. And and the tribe is also a reflection of your upbringing and your and is a reflection of, uh, but it isn't. It doesn't mean you know. It doesn't make that that's who you are. I am not an eight hundred dollar car right. either. You know, at least I hope not. But um, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because that whole that whole concept of of perceiving the universe and perceiving reality from your perspective. I've brought that up in other contexts, in the sense that uh, not from a whole. Uh, uh, you know, we're living in a matrix kind of thing, but from the standpoint of different, you know, multiple universes and things of that nature is the concept of a hologram, um, like a true hologram. I mean, we all see the little holograms around our licenses and the holograms that you see on, you know, uh, uh, trading cards and things like that. But a true hologram is, I saw this when I was in, uh, I want to say I was a sophomore in high school and you had to use a laser to actually look at it. So what it was, is it, Mm. it was a little like, this one happened to be red. And what was fascinating about it is, is it was, I think it had to be printed on this like red material that could do the whole 3d printing on the inside and use a laser to be able to project it so that you could see it through like this looking device. And uh, granted this was in the mid eighties. So I'm sure it's more, you know, easily viewable now, but the, uh, uh, the whole, the whole thing about the hologram is picture your picture, a 10 by 10 grid. And when you're looking at a, a hologram that we're, you know, that we're used to seeing in the first, you know, in, in normal context is if you were to cut that in half, you'd only see half the hologram. If you were to take that same real hologram and cut it in half, you would see the entire image in that half. You would see the entire image in just one square. You would just see it from that perspective, you know, and what's mm-hmm. what's interesting is that i think that a lot of us we see the universe from our perspective and it's almost like you were just talking about with that uh, lex friedman guy is we see it from what frequencies we're able to see i've often wondered i'm like you know what if there really are only a couple thousand people on the planet and everybody else is just filler you know programs and things like <laughs> yeah. that but seriously how many people do you really interact with no you know? that's I, li- I like that idea actually. I've never, I've never quite thought about that, but um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. What if, yeah, it's the people that you know, and maybe a couple more that you're going to meet, but everybody else are just literally extras, right? Yeah, exactly. Like if it's a movie, if this is a movie of your life that the people you drive by, you know, they just get recycled and come back through in another vehicle and that, you know, it's, it's it. And, and in that regard, I sit there and go, well, maybe it is a matrix, you know, maybe it is a, who knows, yeah. you know, but that's, and, 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 and <clears throat> that right there is one of the things that got me on this whole subject of this podcast. You know, I've had other things that made me do it, but I've been fascinated with death to get back to the whole media thing of uh, growing up. I remember we were going to be bombed any time, you know, any minute now by the Russians, you know, that was just something mm-hmm. I grew up. So I was terrified of death and it's been something that I've been fascinated with. Um, you know, but again, it, it comes back to that whole idea of, 
uh, as humanity, we are, it, it, I mean, shit, it's like that whole, you know, train wreck that we even have sayings for it. You can't look away. It's like a train wreck. You can't look away. Well, why can't you look away? Because we want to look at it. You know, we have it ingrained in us to to be fascinated by that. And so, you know, with the media, they what was the thing that was a big deal for, you know, from the 50s on through the 80s until the Berlin Wall went down, basically, was, you know, the threat of red, you know, red Russia was going to bomb us, mutually assured destruction, Star Wars, all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, and so I, you know, I became fascinated with the subject then. Plus, my dad died when I was uh, like 11 years old and and uh I, one of the things about the whole gawkers that used to piss me off is he, he it got to the point where you could almost, you know, set a watch by when his heart attacks were going to happen. It was like once every six months or so he'd have another heart attack, you know, and uh, uh, and when he would go out, uh, he'd go out in the ambulance and he'd be like, yeah, I'll see you guys in a couple days, you know, because it just got to where it was routine, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, but he the guy was a mess. He had brain surgery and triple bypass and et cetera, et cetera. But it used to infuriate me as a child watching him get pulled off in the ambulance and seeing all the neighbors standing out there. And you could sit there and say, well, maybe they're concerned. And it's like, yeah, but maybe they want to see a body, you know? And yeah, it's maybe like, both. Yeah. yeah, or both. And that's, and it's so, yeah, I completely agree that, that what you're, what you're saying, you know, um, why does a crowd form when somebody's having a, a, a distress on the sidewalk is because they want to see, what the trauma is you know they want to see what's happening yeah. and some of them are concerned but it's like and yes there's that rule where when somebody steps in nobody gets in you know nobody interferes with like emts and first responders and things like that but it's like everybody else isn't necessary and then you got to wonder do they think well if i don't show concern then i'm just an asshole it's like well you know what is somebody yeah. you know it's 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 such a we are such fucked up complicated creatures <laughs> you know it's it's just it's so crazy but Anyway, that all being said, and you you bring up you know the 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 the, the concept with the, the the matrix or whatever. Not saying that that's what you believe, but that brings us to that whole subject of, and and I and that's one of the things about your two hundred fifty mile run is I've heard of people getting into that whole runner's high and getting into that whole thing where they almost kind of zone out and you know and I've heard of people describing it that it's like it's 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 the closest they can imagine to be, you know, to being with God or whatever, you know, the universe and all that. I'm wondering if that has anything, you know, in other words, what is your belief that happens when we die? What do you, where do you think we go? Do we, you know, did you see anything like that or do you just kind of run and it doesn't do that for you? Um, But what is, you know, what is your concept of, of the, you know, anything? Do we, go anywhere because i am open to anything and i don't think there's a right answer i really don't because we don't know until we're dead i think that it's a great question so with regard with regard to the run i've i've always thought that i was a spiritual person mm-hmm. and i was born and raised roman catholic there you and go. um <laughs> you know what i'm talking about then <laughs> Right. And I, I'm certainly, I'm certainly a believer. There's, there's no question about it. Now, I don't know what capital G God in fact really is. I don't think that anybody really knows. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, so I think that it's rather, it's, 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 it's a term that I think defines just it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a person with 10 fingers and two arms and two legs. Right? An old, old it can man be an energy of fear. 
Right. It, it can be an energy. It can be a force. It can be a field for that matter. It can be many things. So whatever it is, I, I do pay all, all due reverence to it. Now, when I was running, you're, you, you start like when you start to hit your wall and you start to fall apart and many people call it the pain cave. When you go into your pain cave, like things happen in a certain order. Um, at, at first it's, it's, it's physical right now. I'm, I'm dealing with my, my physical ails. My, my knees hurt, my hips are so tight and you become overwhelmed by your physical pain. Now, while you're being overwhelmed by your physical pain, the thing that saves you is your mental acuity, if you will. So now my brain is talking me out of the importance of these pains and these agonies that I have that if I just let my body talk and make the decisions I would have given up a long time ago, but my mental, my mindset, you know, you're, you're able to think your way out of those things. So you take a level that's kind of transcendent to the physical level and you use that to nullify whatever your physical ailments are, right? I'm able to think myself away from pain. Just as you're able to think your way into pain, you can make anything hurt way worse than it actually does. You can make things hurt way less than they actually do. You just ignore them or, or whatever your technique is. Now, when you enter the cave and, you, and your body starts to really fall apart, you transcend into that mental state where you now you are working your best to get these physical ailments to disappear. Now, that becomes overloaded too. And what you now have is you've got your, you're able to mentally get rid of all of your physical pain for long enough that when your brain becomes overworked and overwhelmed, now you get mental pain. So now you've got voices coming into your head that are distracting you from ignoring your physical pain. And these voices say things like, 130 miles is pretty damn far, man. I think a lot of people would have respect for even just that. Or, you know what? Or you ran 40 miles the first day. You ran 30 miles the second. You ran 23. I think that even that's enough to brag about. Okay, you, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. So no. now you've got, you, right? So now, and, and this this will answer your question. So now you've got these things that, that enter into your headspace. And once that becomes to the point where you need something to save you from that, something that's transcendent to the mental state, right? Because I, to get away from my body, I, I went up a rung and I got to my mental state. When that begins to fall apart, now not only is that falling apart, but all my physical pain is coming back. And then you get voices in your head that say, you know what, man, you gave up fucking remember that time you gave up and you got a did not finish for your Spartan race. And you could have gone farther than that, man. You've gone farther than that already. Why did you bitch out back then? Or you remember that time that you cheated and so-and-so didn't find out about it and you're going to give up, you're going to give up. You're going to prove them right. Now you get the abusive voices in your head. Okay. And what ends up happening is you have to find a transcendent level to that. And it is a level that you can't really explain, but it's a spiritual level. And the, and maybe this was God talking, maybe it was the universe talking, but I tell you that while I was there, the, what carried me through and got me through this wall was the spiritual awareness of my mental and my physical state. So I achieved a higher elevation to see down over everything that was happening, not just in my body, but in my mind. And the voice that kept saying in my head was, you can let those voices say whatever they want, but as long as you're moving, they can't win. 
And that's what I kept saying to myself over and over, or this voice kept saying to me was, yeah, let them be abusive. Let them say what they're going to say. You can't stop it and you have to hear it. Just let them talk. And then they start saying the darkest shit that you wish you never fucking heard again come into your head and they start trying to pull you down away from that. And the voice comes back and says, let them say whatever they want. As long as you're moving, it doesn't matter. So I find this other level and then something happens. It's like you burst through a membrane and everything, all the smoke settles, all the dust disappears. And you are on this other side where the streets are literally fucking gilded and gold and <laughs> the sun is shining and there is no pain. There is no agony. You won. You get to fucking coast now. And you, that's where I achieved like so many different layers of, and skills that now I can use to get me through like hard times so much so that I want to fucking get there again. But to answer your question, when, when we die, like what is that energy? I feel like, I feel like it's really the epitome of what that spiritual level was when that, that essentially found me when I was running and I was, and the universe basically figured out that I wasn't giving up and that you can throw whatever you want at me, but I just beat all the bosses. The game is fucking over. I win. So <laughs> once, once the universe, but it's true. And no, once the universe great, realizes, right. Once the universe realizes that it just doesn't matter, it's not the reality that I choose and I know now that I have the strength, then you get to pick your fucking reality. It's like you get to pick it out of a, out of a box, man. It's you, whatever you want to make, you can make out of it. So I think when we die, we get to that transcendent state. I don't know if, I don't think that there's a heaven and a hell. You know, we're, we've been up to the top of the clouds. We know that it's not there. We've been in, in outer <laughs> space. We know that it's not there. Right. So, you know, I know that that doesn't exist now, whether, whether heaven and hell is what our legacy is on this earth while these, you know, our fellow computers can remember it. And when they no longer remember it, you die, mm -hmm. your heaven and your hell just cease to exist. Or what I, what I think is that we are simply a physical representation of an, a spiritual energy and that our bodies are simply just vessels. Uh, I truly believe that. And this is the reality that we choose. And, you know, we put our quarter in the day that we're born and we get to play this fucking game for as long as it lasts. That's and then, and then when the game, right. And then when the game is over, um, you know, we're walking through the arcade again and we want to see, you know, uh, when we go to sleep and we have dreams, do we know if that's when we're really awake and we're fucking dreaming right now? No, we don't because that's everything exactly, is experiential. And yes. That's, right. And, yeah. and as far as my brain is concerned while I'm dreaming, guess what? My brain thinks that shit's really happening. Totally. I feel pain. I feel fear, right? So there is no distinction in reality or fantasy because if you hook me up to a brain scan, the brain waves are fucking identical. Yeah. So as far as the brain scan is concerned, I'm awake. As far as my brain is concerned, I'm awake. The only thing that's shut off is the connection between my brain and the machinery. So it still feels pain. It still experiences things. It still has empathy, sympathy, apathy. It's still all there. So I think when we die, we actually go into something that's more akin to the realm we enter when we sleep, because that's when we're unbound by our earthly bodies, right? So I think it's part of a collective, you know, am I going to get to meet my mother when I die? I don't know if it works that way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, you know, you know, this might have, she might be up there right now being like, honey, I can't wait until you get here. Cause there's like so many other games to choose from. I'm not going back to that one. That one sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I love it. 
do do we do we exist do we exist in the ether where all possibilities are probable or do we are we bound by gravity to some ball floating through space and then once it's over it's over i, I don't i don't know but my faith kind of tells me that there's way more to this and my faith kind of tells me that right now we're playing an eight track game on you know a a a seven gig you know video gaming system it, it, totally yeah where where this it's and it's called earth <laughs> and yeah and, it, and it's very analog it's very analog totally, you know totally. and that's, that's the right thing that's you know you know what's funny uh you ever watch the show rick and morty uh is that a cartoon it's a cartoon yeah there's there's a, an episode yeah Oh, that's okay. Yeah, there's an episode where they go to this alien space uh, arcade, and it's called Roy. <clears throat> and he puts the headset on Morty. That's the kid, and puts a quarter in. And all of a sudden, Morty wakes up from a dream, and it's like, oh, uh, you know. And and he lives this whole life as this character Roy. And then what ends up happening is he beats cancer, and he he goes, you know, he works at a carpet shop, and he beats cancer, and he goes back to the carpet shop, and all that. And then he finally dies because he's at the carpet shop, and he falls off of a ladder and breaks his back and dies. And then it says game over, and he comes out of it, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "I'm Marty," and and you, what the hell, you know? And, and 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 Rick's like, "You went back to the fucking carpet store after beating cancer, boo!" You know? <laughs> and, and it's it's a great show. It's one of my to me Breaking Bad and Rick and Morty are the two best shows ever but uh <laughs> anyway um but you know you just and i've kind of brought that analogy up as a possibility but you said that perfectly i mean in that whole that whole transcendence of pushing through when you said i beat all the bosses it's like yeah we we, we very well could be in, in our own video game kind of thing and you know metaphorically and it's like but it's it's just so I I love that concept. I that's something I hadn't heard before of that concept of of the afterlife being the epitome of of having beaten all those bullshit self doubt uh, uh, negative mindset kind of things and living in that bliss almost where you're just part of that energy that was pushing you through running the 250 miles. That's it's, exactly uh, what it was, and love and, it, and the funny thing is is the the physical and the mental part of that are both earthly things and that yes. the spiritual I feel like had to transcend all of this. Like that was really coming from somewhere else because everything else was working against me. I feel like whatever it was that was watching my being, my physical and my mental being was something that was able to see it. And in order to see it, it had to exist outside of it. And it knew what was going on. And all it did was tell me like, dude, you're just, you're, you're limiting yourself to these thoughts and these feelings. It's so much greater than that. Just let it go. And when I let it go, it fucking disappeared. Dude, it was almost like my body and my brain wanted to feel that agony and that pain it needed to in order to know something. And the fact that I didn't allow it to kind of gave me a, a sense of ability and not just in me, man, it's the same in you. I think, shit, if you can run five miles, you can run 50. And if you can run 50 miles, you can run 60. It's just a matter of how do you get there? And, and I think everybody is capable of so many more great things that they limit themselves. There's no way I could do this. There's no way I can do that. The fact is, you can really do whatever the fuck you want. And it's not a matter of putting your mind to it and training it and blah, 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 blah. You just have to do it and, yeah. and commit to having it being done before you even start. Yeah, I think that, you know, everybody out there is afraid 
and, and they're afraid to, to see what's on the other side. And it's, you know what, once you get there, man, I tell you, it's, I can't wait to do the next stupid thing. I really can't. <laughs> I, I want to see, you know, what did I learn? Can I apply any of it? Is it any easier next time? It's almost like I look, you know, that's what I'm looking. I'm not looking for the runners high anymore. I'm looking for the runners low. Like that's what the fuck I want. That's that's yeah, that is wild. That's uh, that's it. I'm going to go run 250 miles right now. <laughs> you see the headlines. <laughs> Fat guy dies after two mile run. <laughs> oh, gosh, the bed. <laughs> My wife's there. It's like, well, don't no. ask me to run it with you, bro. I already did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, you you are entirely right. I mean, yeah, I could, I could do that. I just, I, I mean, physically, my body, <clears throat> my body is not in the shape to do that. I probably would die trying it. But yes, there's no reason that I couldn't. I just, honestly, it would take me some while to get phys- physically conditioned to be able to do that. Because yeah, you need the right tools to do the right job. I mean, I, <clears throat> I could go become a. Uh, a heart surgeon or something like that, but I can't just jump into it right away. But I should right, limit right. myself if that's something I wanted to do. You know, you 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 do have to set your mind on it and shoot for the stars, kind of thing. And dude, man, that like I said, when you said I, I had to read it like twice. I'm like, fucking what? Two hundred? Yeah. <laughs> and dude, yeah. I, I hats off doesn't even describe how impressed I am with with that that feat. You know, and what's crazy is thank you. No, that's seriously, and and so we've got this thing called a marathon, and I, I read the mythology of it, where it's a uh, what is the guy? Can it's something with a P? Pi? Who knows? Anyway, and he runs. He runs to, uh, uh, to I think it's to Athens from uh, uh, is it the city is marathon or something. He runs a twenty six point mm-hmm. one miles or whatever, delivering the message that they won, and then drops dead. And they write about this and they celebrate it. And there are marathons everywhere. It's like, what? what's the name for the 250-mile thing? You know? I mean, shit, man. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's just... um, there, And you know what? There's people out there, though. There's, um, I think the world record is something something like 3,100 miles. Holy I'm not joking. Fuck. And um, there are, um, and I'm interested in getting involved in them, there are a lot of ultra races. It seems now like the 100-mile ultra is is similar to what the marathon was for a while. Or You know, it, the 100-miler is, you know, where the where a lot of people like to put their pride, in, and that's 100 miles is fucking far, trust me. Oh, but yes. there are 230-mile <laughs> runs out there. Damn. There are, you know, 230-mile trail runs where it's nonstop, you can't sleep. Wow. So there's some pretty crazy things out there. And I hope um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into them. I, I, I kind of like the idea of picking something that's big and ridiculous, trying to put my head in a place where I've already done it and then put my body in a place where it just has to catch up. You know, and I'm, I'm going to try something big. You brought up an interesting point here, though. This is something I've thought about on, you know, maybe we are going through – as a, as a species, you know, the ones who are pushing for it, going through some kind of evolutionary kind of thing, because there's a time period where everybody thinks that there's a limit. I mean, for example, when steam engines came out, they were like, oh, the human body can't handle more than 20 miles an hour. Or it'll implode yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know, and it's gotten to the point where then it was, you know, it was marathons and things like that. But look at all the crazy shit that people are able to do, like that parkour crap where they're jumping off of buildings or people running mm-hmm. 200, 300 miles, you know, and, and it's like. It, it, it makes you wonder if, if we're just, you know, scratching the surface on the actual capabilities of our minds and, or of our bodies because our minds have limited us. Our minds and our society oh, has limited us. we have to be. 
yeah, you know, it's we just, have to be. Think think about it. If you go back, if you look back, like whenever Mickey Mouse was originally illustrated mm-hmm. back in like 1930 or 40, the best we could do was fucking three circles on a page of paper. <laughs> now you look. Now you look at some of these kids that have had no formal training, and that was drawn by a man. Yeah. You look at some of these kids now that can draw a butterfly with a pencil, and by virtue of shading can make you think that there is a real butterfly sitting on that page, and they're like seven years old. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And And I think that that's apparent in so many other ways, too. I think we are evolving, and there's certainly... She didn't learn that, which means that there's got to be some sort of collective consciousness oh, I totally that people believe. tap into. Yes. Right? And, that, and as it develops, you know, and our average keeps getting upped and upped, then, you know, somebody like me who really is kind of like an average Joe for, you know, in, in some regards, I, I can go ahead and run nine marathons nine days in a row just on a fucking whim. <laughs> just goes to show you that it's, it's we really just limit our own potential because of either fear of failure or uncertainty after success. I think that really, yeah. we really hit the brakes on ourselves, right? I, I do think, yeah, because it's not, I'm not afraid of the failing. I'm fine with the failing. My my thing that stops me, and this isn't an excuse, this isn't something, I mean, I still need to just fucking try something. And I'm getting to that point now where I'm like, yeah, I'm just going for it. The podcast, that's the thing. I'm throwing all my all my chips on the podcast going for it. You know, we'll see where it goes. Awesome. And uh, But it's like, I, my whole thing was before is I had that decision paralysis for years. I mean, 20 years where it was like I'd have an idea and I'd be like a little kid, you know, and I'd be like, oh, this is the best thing. And all of a sudden I see a new toy and it's a new idea, essentially. It's now a new toy and I go after that one and then I go after another one. And it's like, yeah, it's that whole – there's an old Russian saying that uh, the, the, I took a course and the guy talks about it. He's like, you chase too many rabbits, you're not going to catch any. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's what I was doing was chasing too many rabbits. It's it's like fucking sitting down and, you know, with Netflix and, wa- you know, spending 45 minutes just trying to figure out what to watch because you got too many choices. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I just talked to my wife. I said that same shit last night. My wife and I were just sitting there. She's scrolling through and I'm like, you know why we can't figure it out anymore? It's because nobody watches network television. There's so many options. So we can't even see like advertisements for like what the new movie is going to be. Yeah. You're literally going by just what what the cover image is and the <laughs> yes. name of it. That is it. We're totally expected to judge these books by their covers yeah. because we've got no fucking clue and we're just inundated with stuff. Oh inundated. My God. You're right. Yeah. I, I, by the time I'm done looking, I'm ready for bed. I'm going to watch TV for an hour before I go to sleep. No, man, I'm going to surf the fucking menu and then I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it's that, you know, that should just be a show. Someone should just record someone flipping through channels <laughs> on that shit and put it up as a, as a video. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think, I do think that we are on the verge as a species, hopefully of either one of two things is, through the whole coronavirus and the Black Lives Matter and everything, we're either going to, you know, we're, we're going to learn a lot from all this. We're going to find all the holes in the roof and we're going to patch those leaks or we're going to just let the fucking building collapse, you know. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, with, with with the small businesses and that, I personally think what they should do is I've seen little businesses do this where they just have that waiting line. You know, you I, you go and, and there's people waiting online. Keep the social distancing. Keep all that. You know, allow people or shit. Worst case scenario, if people want to go hang out in a bar, then just have them sign a waiver. Let them it let them go do yeah. that. You know, and I'm not saying I would do that, 
But it's like, okay, then for the people who are like, I woke up in America this morning, fine, here. We'll, we'll, the bars, you know, the, the, the bars that want to have it, I attribute it to like, you know, <laughs> let them, let them do it. It's like, uh, you know, uh, the only problem is those, is then they're going to bring it in there. If they do catch it, then they're going to bring it to their, you know, elderly parent or somebody who doesn't have a choice in the matter. That's the problem I have with mm-hmm. that, you know, but, um, yeah. I, uh, I, I gotta say, man, your, your story is inspiring, you know, to, to think that just, it would be one thing if you said, I ran 250 miles, I'm a regular man, marathoner, I'm someone who runs a marathon every month or something like that, and I decided to do it. When you were talking about how in February, you did like 10 miles, and then you did that other, you know, 50 mile, whatever, mm-hmm. which is still, to me, is staggering, even 10 miles, you know, um, but it's like, to, to, to think that all of a sudden you were like, you've never did anything nearly what this was and just went for it that's you know yeah that's very inspiring it's that kind of stuff that i think we need more of because it's it's that kind of stuff that breaks ground on all fronts on technology I agree. And, and you know, thank you for that definitely man definitely so well hey man i i, I appreciate you coming on the show um it, w- would you like to say anything you know any last things um before we end because uh this was a very great talk. We covered a lot of ground on this, and and I really loved your concept of of the, you know the potential of what of might happen with uh, an afterlife of any form. You know, I think that I think that only the people that are willing to explore the bounds of their potential deserve to find that it's completely limitless. And I think everybody out there, it's true. It's not, this isn't the thing reserved for people that do amazing and incredible things. It's not a place reserved for me. I found it. I mean, I looked for it because I knew it was there. And I knew before I ran that I was going to find a dark place and I had to get excited about it in order to talk myself into doing it. And I have to tell you that every single person out there is capable of incredible things. Just fucking do it. Just try it. What's the worst that can happen? Just try it. So I think that my, my, my best parting words would be just that. Only the people that are willing to explore their the bounds of their potential deserve to find that it, it truly is limitless. And, and that's true for absolutely everybody. At, and, and I agree. And, and I, would, I would totally go out on that. But you know what? You just made me remember something that occurred to me a couple months back. And it's, it's that whole self doubt and that, that people have a tendency to, to struggle with. And something that occurred to me is it's like, it always seems like that, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to step on what you said, because what you said was great, man. But, but I think you'll agree with me here. There's, you always sit there and go, why is it the douchebags are the ones that are, that are making it in life? Why are the, why is it the asshole douchebags that are getting what Mm -hmm. they want and going places? It's like, because they don't know that they shouldn't. They don't believe that they shouldn't. And so they get what they want. What's that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, the the boundaries don't even exist. They don't even exist. And we all could do that. And what you said sums that up so perfectly. You know, it's, it's, it's not that they're getting ahead because they're douchebags. Some of them, sure. They got inside connections or whatever, but a lot of them, they're getting it because they don't know that they have limits because they don't. The rest of us. The possibility of failure doesn't even exist. In their in their calculus, it just doesn't even exist. You're exactly right. Yeah, 
that's so again, man, I appreciate it, Matt. I, uh, 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 hang on and, and, uh, you know, I want to get some other information from you for the show notes and that, but, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was a very great conversation. I enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you. I thought it was fantastic. I really appreciate your time and attention. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime whenever you want. Definitely. Definitely. I will talk to you later. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, bud. Bye. And that's my conversation with Matt Scarfo. I still think his concept of the afterlife and how we could potentially get there here just blows my mind. Uh, I don't have 250 miles of running in me. I don't even have 2.5 miles of running in me. But uh, anyway, I'm sure that's what runner's high is. But the way he described it was almost just immense. But uh, anyway, I'm going to leave the links to his Instagram and his YouTube channel. And I'm also going to go ahead and put that link to that video with Lex Friedman. Definitely recommend listening to it at 75% speed because the guy's got a thick accent. Um, You know what? I just noticed that ran out of my theme music. That's fine. I had some stuff to say. I want to make sure you hear it. But the big thing is, is have yourselves a good day. Have yourselves a good life.